there's uh, no rules, you know, and there's no right, there's no wrong. It's whatever you're really comfortable using. Mark Brewer, Warner Bros., Archie Comics, Disney, has been inking for a living since a young age. We covered his background and growth when I first interviewed him back in 2020. Today, we catch up to see what he's been up to, how his hunger for knowledge led him into teaching, and how that made him an even better artist and human. Join us today as we discuss why Mark loves inking so much, why learning art is like building a block of Legos, why inking with a pen is different than inking with a brush, can you make expressive art with fine liners? How your style of drawing influences the tools you should be using and Mark's upcoming inking course with Etcher. But before we start, here's some quick information on Mark's course. You will learn all the basics of inking, from the materials and tools you need to the techniques and styles that make inking such a versatile and exciting medium, Mark will cover it all. It's a structured 5-class course fit for absolute beginners and it starts on June 24th. All classes are live with Mark and there's homework and practice sheets included. If you'd register before June 20th, you will have a discounted early bird price, so please check it out. Uh, also, we have a free video for you to watch immediately that covers the basics of paper and types of ink. So just go to etrolab.com forward slash mark dash course and get all the information you need. Okay, that's it for the shout out. So let's dive into the interview. Okay, Mark, so it's the second time you are on our podcast. The first time we talked was back in September 2020. That's when the episode came out. Three That's right, years. long time ago. Yeah. Two and a half years ago, because right now we're in June. Right. June 2023. And that episode, it was focused on how to monetize your art hobby. But we talked a lot about uh, how you and art found each other. Very romantic, beautiful story. Uh, when you can call yourself an artist, which is a question that I think most of us have, facing art blog, how you became a pro, and you also walked us through your struggles and successes along the way. So that's what we covered on the first episode. So in case you're a listener, you want to know more about these topics, go and, go and listen to that episode. So for these ones, I have a whole lot of different questions to ask. Okay. But before okay. we dive in, so quick, let's do a quick recap. So who are you and when did you first fall in love with art? Mm, okay. Well, um, I'm Mark Brewer and I first fell in love with art when I was very young. I recall my grandmother um, setting me in, in front of the TV with coloring books and uh, painting books. And I was probably three years old, I'm sure. My grandmother couldn't see very well. So and she had to watch me while my parents worked. So this was, uh, this was something that happened, you know, during the week, quite often, more coloring books would come more books that you could just add water and paint. And then in the pages and back were blank. So you I could you could trace those you could trace that and then color that in with crayons and I remember doing that. I remember uh having a garage door that was gray 
and I had a paintbrush and a bucket of water and I could go out there and paint these large pictures on a gray door. And I would, I would, I would paint these huge pictures of a house or whatever I could do when I was nine, eight, nine years old, whatever. And then I would run back and look at it and enjoy it because the sun was beating down on the garage and it would, um, it would dry very quick. And then I would paint another one and then run back and look at it. <laughs> I would try it. We like could do this three or four times all the time. <laughs> I did that often. <laughs> so that I was really young when I did that. <clears throat> and then when I got to be about um, 12 or 13, I started watching Bob Ross and I thought, I wonder if I could make a living painting like that. And that's when it started to really click. And I uh, was in high school. I wasn't doing too well. And my mom said, hey, how about if, if you do well in this class, you could take the car. I had just gotten my license to drive and it was a 40 minute ride to take a class every week with a real professional syndicated cartoonist. And that's what changed me from going from painting like um, Bob Ross was painting that way to gearing it more towards um, cartoons, humorous kind of stuff. So, yeah. Were you already in love with cartoons or did it just happen that a cartoonist was available? Well, I was already in love with cartoons, but I don't, I, I don't want to give you the sense that I was sitting down and drawing cartoons all the time. I, I wasn't. I, if it, 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 what I was drawing was just that, you know, uh, barns with water on doors. Or um, I remember getting myself those uh, uh, Frederick's canvases. And I would paint along with Bob Ross, or I would try to remember what he did. And I would try to paint landscapes. And I did take a couple classes on how to paint flowers and, you know, using acrylic paints. And so I learned how to mix and stuff like that. And I was, I was probably the only young man in that class and all the other people were much older who were learning how to paint flowers, but on a Saturday afternoon, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, I had a newspaper route. I del delivered the newspapers, would get paid at the end of the week and um, would, would hope to get enough money so I could go buy more colors at the art store, which happened to be in town as well. So I was collecting <laughs> purples and greens, and I didn't know how to mix colors or anything. So like, believe me, when I needed a green, it wasn't, I need a blue and a yellow. I just, I need the green and I need all the greens. So later, you know, understanding color and that, you know, you, you know, my palette only consists of, I don't know, 12 colors now. It's like understanding that wasn't then, that was just... That was way back then, but I, I wasn't in love with cartoons. I, I liked cartoons. I watched cartoons. It was a thing here in the States about Saturday morning cartoons would come on and I watched them all the time, but I was painting more. And, um, but I think the whole, to encompass the whole, it's all, it's all art, mm -hmm. whether it's painting or whether it's drawing cartoons, um, maybe even music too. It's, it's all art. And I was, I was definitely, um, and I was a young man with an artist mind, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but I definitely had that side of my brain was filled. It was all creative, imaginative. And, uh, so it's who you so are. If I think, yeah, it, yeah. I think that a lot of us know that, right. You know, how, how, you know, we know that right away, you know, when we're kids, we're just always creating. And then, then, you know, you know, you're an artist at heart, you know? So I think about, uh, 16, 17 years old. Uh, I must've graduated when I was 18, but when I was 16, I started creating, 
uh, greeting cards and selling them to a local business. They would buy these original drawn, hand-drawn greeting cards and they would sell them. And that made me feel special. <laughs> I also did cartoons in my high school and the journalism teacher put me in touch with the local newspaper. And so when I was uh, 15 years old, I started drawing a local editorial cartoon for our local newspaper. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that and those were cartoons. And so now I'm looking at other editorial cartoonists and trying to mimic what they're doing, you know? Uh, and then from there it, it grew. I met uh, Guy Gilcrest who had a licensing studio and did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, Precious Moments and Animaniacs, uh, all, Animaniacs and uh, all this kind of stuff. And so I, w I wasn't good. It's not why I was there because I was good, but I, I was an ambitious young man and I was there to empty the garbages with these sketches. That was, that would be fine. You know, I would take it, you know, a lot of people would. And um, I did. And I, you know, took a paintbrush and painted some backgrounds and guy gave me some homework and you know, even just ruling lines on with a ruler and making sure that they're nice and crisp and not, you know, hanging over. Um, that was all part of it. And I did that. And at some point I submitted, I did some ink inks for him and I submitted them to Archie comics and ended up inking with Archie comics. So I'd go to Merrimack, New York, uh, once a week to drop off books and to get more books and to, you know, to, and mm -hmm. I, you know, that sustained me financially, uh, as well as what I was making in the studio with Guy, in addition to still drawing those editorial cartoons for my local newspaper, in addition to starting to branch out to other publications and draw. So I had my hands in everything. So it was a little money here, a little money here, a little money here. And together it started to go, Hmm, this could be, this could be, Maybe I could, maybe I could pay some bills with this. So that's, that's where that whole thing, that's how that whole thing started. So from there I, I did, I was working in comic books and inking, um, some comic strips in the area where I lived in Connecticut. <clears throat> There's a lot of, a lot of amazing artists and writers and men and women that have syndicated comic strips. And I was very fortunate to work on some of these comic strips as a regular part of my job to pay the bills until I could um, do a drawing of my own style, not really my own style, just a, just a conglomeration of things that I had taken from other people kind of combined what I like. And then at some point you just stop looking at all that stuff and you just do it. And then and, you, and then people say your style. I'm not so sure about that, but um, I wanted to do that. And then I learned from hanging on the, around the artists for all these years now. So I'm 21, you know, mm -hmm. uh, years old, and I've been do, I've been having lunch with these people since I was 16, 17 years old. They can't. A lot of these famous artists came to my 21st birthday party Aww. here, <laughs> and it was very sweet. And um, so. Uh, I learned that you, I could make postcards of my own drawings. I could get the attention of art directors from all over the country and start there. And I sent maybe one or two cards out and New York magazine called me. And, um, I have that drawing somewhere here 
hanging. And that was the first start. So then I think I got paid seven or eight hundred dollars to do that. And I took all that money because not because this is what I was told to do by these guys who were helping me. Mm -hmm. I took all that money. I put it back into advertising and just shot out even more postcards. I think the Wall Street Journal called me Newsweek magazine. I'm not sure who was first. And then it just kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. from there, yeah, Washington Post, New York Times, it just kind of opened up and, you know, so yeah, one person gives you a shot and they all kind of, a lot of them kind of come after that, you know? Why was it exciting? So what is it about art that you love so much? I love that you can create energy on paper, you know, the energy that you're feeling, not that I'm feeling, you know, create it on paper. We And I was just showing you a picture of a, a dog and it's, it's, that dog definitely has some energy. Uh, and I think it's really cool that you can put that on paper and using paint and character expression and convey a message. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's really, really cool. And I can go back and look at through some of my drawings that I have done and I can see that there was a time where I used brighter colors and there was a time that I used drab colors and I don't even know why I would use colors that didn't look right. And I just wonder, sometimes I can capture my, I can remember the feelings or what I was going through at the time. And maybe that's why it's in the drawing. But I I think that's why we go to museums to look at art because we can see energy in the drawing. You know, it's, and so we, and we can feel that and that's, and we connect with that energy and uh, that's, what were the big the big points in your in your life? I mean, I mean, if anything, major happened at all because that was the whole time we were confined to our own cubicles, fighting a pandemic. I think that that was the probably the biggest thing that happened is uh, all of us collectively in the world had something in common. Well, we had one more thing in common, and that is we had to confine ourselves to our families and or to ourselves. And, and since we couldn't go out, videos became huge. Mm-hmm. Etcher reached out to me at some point and I learned how to record videos and I had never done that before. Mm-hmm. And I bucked it for a little while. I just didn't want, I just I wasn't sure about it. It's not that I didn't want to do it, but I wasn't sure about it. Very apprehensive, it created a lot of anxiety because mm-hmm. this, I, I put things on paper. I don't record technology isn't, yeah, but you know what? I, I I I worked through that and kept telling myself, you know, hey, um, you know, anytime that I want to, you know, not do something or just say, ah, that's too much for me, I'm allowed to do that. And that would be much like a lot of people I see who get older and don't want to deal with technology, and it's like I'm just not going to go down that road. So it's like, okay, <laughs> old. so let's figure out how to do this. And um, I got a light that wasn't as bright. This is a much better light. <clears throat> had to do that. Um, I got a camera and I got a stand. Some things I had to buy a couple times. Uh, uh, um, the camera I got right the first time. It's a it's a great camera. I'm glad I spent the money that I spent, which was a little more because it works really well. That's what changed for me for the pandemic is learning that uh, lessons, teaching lessons online, learning how to, and I'm still learning. I think I'll always be learning how to record online 
and bring those things to people so that we can continue to sit at home. Because let's face it, some of us are not as mobile as others. Mm -hmm. Some of us are, are still fearful um, of contamination some some way and they want to stay home. And so this, what we're doing now is 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 definitely for the rest of my life. So I took those, so I took that knowledge of making classes on videos and I also um, wrote some curriculum. So I'm teaching them outside of here. I went to a school recently and finished teaching a watercolor class and mm -hmm. plan to do more uh, classes online as well, since this is a this is a new thing for artists, a new way to make money. So interesting when I go back, looking at my life when I was a young man of having my hand in all these things, little money from a local newspaper, little money here, comic books. It's like, I'm still doing the same thing. Now I have a little bit of a little bit of hand in, you know, teaching outside, teaching online. And that's, that's the big thing that changed during the pandemic for me is just that, forced you out of your comfort zone from in-person to virtual and adapting to a new medium and a new process. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So the main change that I saw from last time up until now is that you took up on teaching. So why yeah. do you love teaching? And if so, why, why is it important to you? I do love teaching. It's a way for me to give back like I got back from Uh, like I received from all the people in the business. These are very famous artists that and that had syndicated comic strips and drew gags for magazines. This is how they made their living. And I just so happened to have found friendship in them and they helped me and I was a very young man. And so I, I went to college for a semester mm -hmm. in Chicago. It was a film school and While I was there, nearing the end of just that first semester, I received a call saying that there were more, there were Disney books coming into this studio that I, licensing studio that I was working at and that I could come and there was work there if I wanted it. I remember sitting in that art class, my college and thinking, I have to go, I have to leave because every one of us is sitting in this class wants to do that. And that's what I have, I can do right now, but I'm sitting in this class and it was very complicated because it's, uh, humans have like herd mentality and we graduate. Most of us, not all of us would go to college. You know, we, we buy a Good house. Job. We, there are a lot of things that happen and I'm no different. And so I found myself, I have to go to college, but I did have a moment where I was like, this isn't me. This, I mean, this isn't going to happen because I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to get a piece of paper that says that I have all these requirements, but that job that's waiting for me right there may not be there. Wow. And that's worth more than what might be on this paper. And I had to just try to articulate all this as a young man, because it's very easy to explain now as an adult, oh, when, it's you're so young, hard. when you're a young man, you know, you should be at school because you know, we had a, that's a what thing you grew up. Yeah. It's, it's a conditioning. Yeah. You're, we're conditioning yeah. to believe that that's yeah. no, I know a that's friend right. and, who yeah. missed a job at avatar, the last airbender show because he didn't want to drop school. The creators of the show came to him and said, 
we're developing this cool animation show that it's about a guy who kind of controls alien comes from like an air tribe and they were pitching him the avatar and talking about all the characters and we would love your style yeah. i think it'd be a great fit and he's like no no i'm not gonna yeah. drop out of school to do that uh he said he's yeah. like last time we talked it was his biggest regret i'm like why did i think school was more important than than that job the same way I did too. And what makes me, and I always wonder what made it okay for me to get out of it. Like that, that's, I, that's a huge, that's a huge deal. So, and I guess I'm patting myself on the back because school was important for me too. And wow. it was under the, it was under, we all kind of had an idea that if you don't, didn't go to college, then, you know, you probably weren't going to do very well in life. And I just couldn't believe that I was going to possibly mm -hmm. set myself up for that type of life because I was going to now drop out of college, not even have completed a, September, uh, a semester because I left before that. So I got all Fs or whatever happened. I'm not sure. And grades because I didn't turn anything in. I left like a week later and wow. moved, moved from Chicago back to Connecticut and started driving to, to the studio every day and going to work. So that, that, was, that was a big deal. That was a really big deal. And um, that's so that's why I really love to teach. It's an opportunity to take all that that I got mm -hmm. from all these different people, artists, gener generous people, and give that give that back because uh, and give that back, whether it's a way of um, moving a pen or um, using a brush or even finding a piece of paper and holding it up and trying to find out what's the top side and what's the bottom side. It's like, they're just little tricks like that, that I learned. It's like, you don't have to go to college, you know, to do that. You can find, if you find enough people, I guess you could learn and you know, you don't have, it's not necessary. So what do you think makes a good teacher? I think what makes a good teacher is one who is able to articulate all the information they have learned through years of practicing and be able to convey that to a student in a positive and happy uplift, uplifting way, because after all, you're doing something you like to do. And um, I think it's important to send that sort of positive message and be able to clearly articulate that, whether it is with paint pens. When, when we were talking before the recording, started you told me that a good teacher is someone who puts the students first what does that mean a good teacher is one who puts themselves uh not in front of the student in other words um there's no room in being a teacher to be self-assured um cocky or boisterous or or whatever about their art, you know, we're all learning. Teachers mm -hmm. are learning from students as they're in there. So we're all collectively in there together. I think that's part of being, being able to articulate that I'm learning, they're learning. Nobody is above anybody in this class. Here's what I've learned. Why don't you try to do it? That's a great way. I don't do it that way. Keep going, <laughs> do it that way. You know, that's, there's no right or there's no wrong. When, when do you think that you've achieved success as a teacher? What, what, what does that look like? When a student can look down at what they're doing and going and have that, oh, wow moment where they, they get something, they get it. It's like, oh, a little trick, how to, how to, uh, 
paint a rose starting with the number six or whatever. And, and, you know, using a brush line, you know, bouncing that brush line on that round, that rose up and down and going, Oh, wow, that's really cool. I remember having moments like that a lot more when I was young than I do now. Uh, that's success. That feels like success for me when I'm in a class and, and I'm teaching something, you know, how to paint something, how to draw something. And you can hear people go, Oh, that's, that's success. And they take that. And that's one of those blocks. Now they take that back to their studio and they're building and they're building on top of it. And they're like, aha, that guy got me from point A to point B. Ah, so teaching is like a block of Legos. So you're basically uh, just yeah. showing like, Hey, here's all the different pieces that you have. Uh, I love Legos. Oh my God. <laughs> if you're listening, no, no, show that to the camera one more time. If you're listening to the audio only version of the, of this podcast, please go to etrelab.com forward slash brewer two. There's the link to our YouTube interview there. You need to see <laughs> Is that a brush holder made of Legos. You know, it was the last of the Legos we had in this house. My kids are older. And I thought, you know what, uh, rather than when it sometimes when ink is in a pen, uh, you lay it down or you have to hold it because there's ink in it. And so I thought, boy, if I could, you know, just keep it in there so the ink didn't fall out, you know, while I'm cleaning the other parts would be first. So I can keep I can keep a couple of pens in here while I'm working on cleaning them. And this happens to be Legos. This is genius. Uh, so yes, yeah, so teaching is like um, giving you more Lego pieces for you <laughs> like to build uh, your identity. Exactly. The building, the building blocks of of life, like <laughs> right. No, oh, that's the title of our interview: "The Building Blocks of Life" with Mike Mark Brewer. <laughs> that's so poetic. Okay, so you're doing a course with Etra, and we'll talk about that course in just a second. But b before we get to that. Um, I mean, I was just realizing this is, sorry, like quick side note here, I was just talking to this friend of mine who's also a professional artist and uh, you came to mind and we were having a conversation and I've known you for years, Mark, and you usually have your nails dyed black. Right. Not today, right. not today. And it just they will be later because they're, they're, they're all getting, they're all inky and they look gross. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I just realized because I thought it was just a style thing because it looks great on you. But I'm like, it's not just a style thing. That guy's genius. If your nails are always <laughs> black and your main medium is ink, your hands are always pristine. It's true. <laughs> All right, thumbs are black. I don't know if you can see that. It's like, yeah, they're, it's just, it's, you're a little bit of a mess when you work with ink. And then even doing that, it's like sometimes I go in the bathroom and I have ink up here. I'm like, oh my God. It's like, yeah. Like war oh, paint. You're going to. It's, it's a mess. Yeah, right, right. Beautiful mess. Um, so sorry, I got a bit sidetracked here because I was just like, oh yeah, that like like light bulb moment of nail polish, <laughs> like super important nail polish. Uh, so yeah, why ink? So why are you drawn so much to ink? What is it about ink that kept you there? I think just uh, lines, uh, discovering artists who uh, drew lines with a pen and watching their their pen move. I, I think it could have. I think I could have seen. Uh, somebody used oils or acrylics and, and looked at their brush and how it, it went on the canvas and went, oh, wow, that's really cool. That, that didn't happen, but ink did. So watching somebody using a, a dip pen or a fountain pen, different sizes, and putting that ink on paper and watching those lines, you know, go around and the contrast of black and white. And, and I wasn't a comic book uh, reader. I wasn't really much of that. Um, but I, I do recognize that that's a huge 
uh, part of, of black and white and ink line is comic books, contrast, black, white, you know, thin, thick. So that's what draws you in. That's, that's the way that you process. Cause some people process better with shapes and color. You, it's the lines in the contrast. That's what draws you in. I I absolutely love color and Mm -hmm. I I love being able to have, you know, green painting and you paint a little bit of that complimentary red down here and your eye goes there. And it's this thing that you, I love that. But even more than that, I love line. I just love lines that go thin and thick and it sounds so simple. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but when they're all these thin and thick, I mean thin and thick lines and they're in a drawing and it's the drawing is of a a city and you know there's people singing and that's just really cool. All those lines. I've seen drawings like this before. I love that. So, storytelling yeah, the line energy. before lines before color, but definitely, yeah, love lines. What was the hardest thing for you when you were learning ink? The hardest thing for me to overcome when I learned how to ink was a steady hand with a brush. It was what used having a a steady hand. Um, I'll teach a I teach a little bit about that in the class when you're holding a brush being able to pull a line and then, you know, so it wisps out nice and thin, but being able to do that again on an ear Mm -hmm. and on a nose and then having all those lines be consistent. So Mm -hmm. you could do that again and again and again, but if one line is this thick and the other line is this thick, it's like, nope, the publishers will send it back and they say, you know, this line in this ear is way too thick. So it's almost like the best case situation is to take a pen and to do it with a pen, but you can't achieve that type of line with a pen that you can with a brush. It's very hard. And even as I'm teaching this now with a brush, I can clearly see that I'm not anywhere as good as I was when I was doing it every single day because I had to pay my bills. I know how to do it. It takes practice and you can do it, but wow, I have such, uh, I, I have such admiration for those people who, who use a brush like that. Wonderful. You know, for me, I'll, I'll just share my experience as well. Yeah. Because uh, I, I love I love Quentin Blake's work. Of course, <laughs> yes. Who doesn't, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Who doesn't? Awesome. I, I I love yeah. that 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 serves, uh, Sir Quentin Blake's uh, work, and I, I I feel mesmerized when I see him using dip pens and the characters just splash and they're there, and the, also the variation of line and and how much energy they have. It 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 really you know I. It's bewitching for me. And yeah. I love using ink and I hate it at the same time because I'm not great at it. I'm still learning. Just glad I'm so glad you're doing, of course. Uh, and for me, the most so far, and you know, I'm not I'm not you. I have so much to learn. I don't have as much experience to share as you do, but as a beginner, for me, the most overwhelming part of it was wow, there's so many types of ink and they're different. I don't understand 
how different from each other they are. And I can use a dip pen, but how is that different from a fountain pen? And when should I be using a brush instead of a dip pen? And just knowing that there was so much I didn't know and not, and I wasn't sure how to get my head all around that, that really stopped me in my tracks for a long time until I was able to slowly understand how things worked. Um, and then I met you and everything made much sense. Uh, so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm just sharing this just in case anyone who's listening to the, to the interview, if you want to get started with ink and you are facing the same struggles I faced when I was trying to get started, uh, keep listening to the, uh, to the episode because Mark is doing uh, an introduction to ink course with us where all of that and more will be re revealed. You know, we will unravel the thread of, I can't be poetic. <laughs> yeah, that's like how oh, different inks and different tools and how, what should I use? Because the only thing I heard was, oh, you have to use a brush or a flex nib. Otherwise, right. you won't get the expressions you need for those lines. I'm like, oh, but I just know how to yeah. use fine liners. I know. Like, no, fine liners, not for this. And yeah, fine liners are great for architectural drawing, but not for expressive drawing. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But you probably, you probably could though. You know, the more, the, the more I teach, the more I realize that, you know, I tell myself to lay off the rules, you know, because some, we know what's going to happen is we're going to have this conversation. What did you just say? You can't get the, with a, the expressions with fine liners. Okay. Watch lines. somebody. Yeah. Somebody's going to start. So somebody's going to they'll create a series of drawings and there'll be like fine liners and there'll be expressions. And then the, you know, I know, I know, no, I know. There's, there's no rules. There really aren't any rules. I mean, if you're looking for a certain look, like Disney has a certain look, those are all those lines are inked with a brush. They're not with a pen. And if they were inked with a pen, you'd be able to notice the difference. So mm -hmm. it's not a right or a wrong. It's like, if you want a certain look, then you use a brush. If you want another look, you can use a pen. And of course, and there's all these variables of, of pens between that, you know, I use a really rough looking pen where it goes from extreme thin to thick to, you know, whoops, it splattered all over the drawing and I keep going and <clears throat> it's a mess. You can use a, a pen a lot cleaner too. Uh, but there's a bunch of different ways. And I just keep thinking there's probably just no rules, you know, and there's no right, there's no wrong. It's whatever you're really comfortable using. So I don't know, I would challenge you and say, Hey, if you, like those fine liners and want to make something really expressive. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe if they're, if they're really thin, maybe you have to make smaller drawings or something. I don't know, but I'm Which sure there's exactly a way. exactly what I do. Like later I realized, oh, that's why I draw so small. Yes, maybe. And that's maybe. why I, I don't you're... like a brush because I can't do the small drawings with the right. brush. I have to you're, use my shoulder. Have, you have these, um, um, you're using the thumbprints and doing things with that, right? And oh yeah, for, for for a second there, I was just doing that for fun. Yeah, I was just that was yeah, that was pretty. Tiny. That was pretty cool. But are you still drawing? Like you know, you're still drawing like five by five or, or yeah, I like smaller or... sketchbooks. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I I when I draw, I draw postcard size basically. You know? Okay. So yeah. when I try to draw yeah. big, I struggle. And why do I struggle? Because I'm not using the right tools to draw bigger. That that's why. Uh, that's oh, something I had yeah. to learn the hard way. Like you can't have the same kind of energy when you're using tiny fine liners. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. But you can still have a lot of energy in that little postcard size drawing. I mean, yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, so let's talk a little bit about your course since we were talking about struggles and how how we we overcame them and or not. All right, so you're doing a course with us. It's launching on June 24th. It's called Introduction to Ink. Uh, for right. those of you who did the course before, because we did that like uh, two years ago or something, we overhauled the heck out of this course. It's a completely different course right now. So if you've done it before, you have, you have access to the new version. Surprise, surprise. If you haven't, congratulations. Something really cool is coming your way. Uh, so yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Mark, what is this course about? This course is about inking. Whether you want to use a dip pen, a fountain pen, a brush, uh, whatever type of art you make, whether it's um, serious, more serious, dramatic comic book or something a little more balloony for comic strips or somewhere in between, it's the fundamentals. You know, you're still going to need to learn paper. Uh, just did a video on different types of paper, hot press, cold press. This class will give you the sense of how to use a fountain pen, how to use a dip pen if that's what you want to use, a brush pen, a brush, and how to apply those because there's different techniques you can use with each 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 one of those tools. So it's a complete class in inking, and then you take that despite whether you are you you are in line with the type of art that I make or not, you can take that and apply it to your own art. Exactly. And for our listeners, uh, we recorded a free class for this course. So it's a five-part course, so five classes, plus an extra class that is already available for you to watch. And like Mark said, that class covers different types of paper and inks. Uh, yeah. Mark talks all about that. It's free. Again, it's free to watch. I'll link to that uh, class and I'll link to the all, all the information about the, the course uh, at the post associated with this episode at etcherlab.com forward slash brewer two. That's the number two. All right. Next question. So what are the main pain points that you will tackle in this course? What will I walk away with after I finish this course? So in this course, uh, students are going to learn how to use all the tools. So a dip pen, a fountain pen, the parts of a fountain pen, a brush. They're going to learn techniques, and they're going to learn those techniques by us inking together. You can have a practice sheet where we're going to do it together, or you can sit and watch and then do it on your own time. Um, you, have, you have homework using these practice sheets so that when you come to the course, you, you kind of know everything that's that's happening. There's the no surprises. And you'll be able to um, apply these techniques, these tools to your own drawings, however you like to draw, whether you like to draw humor-based or more comic book or how, whatever it is. It's a great, it's a great nut to have. It's a basket of all the tools, techniques, and things that you're going to need to know um, how to ink to up your level yeah. of inking in your own drawings. Yeah. Do this course. You will be ready to tackle the world. We'll just uh, grab your inking tools and ink whatever you want. And a whole lot of practice. That's right. Exactly. Um, something that occurred to me the other day is even if you're not an artist, you're into design, you're into typography, calligraphy, uh, learn how to use the inking tools because that just sure. will up your game. You know, it's just... 
Absolutely. Yep. No doubt about it. Definitely. Yep. You can apply this to a lot of different things because we are, you know, we're talking about the tools of inking and you can apply those tools to a lot of different things, design, art, you know, whether you're working on a computer, even if you're working on a computer, it's great to understand from a perspective of, uh, you know, uh, thick and thin lines and pushing down what a brush does rather than just learning it digitally. Uh, you know, I would, I would, anybody who's drawing online, very cool, but I would think it would behoove you to know how to use those tools by your hand. So when you're using them on a screen, you understand, you know, the nature of where that started and how it's supposed to be done correctly. Exactly. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, a deep, real understanding. So you under, so you get. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. know how to apply it in a different the way. The genesis of, you know, of how inking, the inking techniques and how they started rather than just jumping into doing it on a computer, which will do it for you. It's like, do it with your hands so you understand and then allow the computer to help you. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. That's, that's a uh, mic drop here for us. Thank you so much Mark, for, <laughs> for giving us an insight on what fountain the pen drop. Fountain pen drop. <laughs> yeah. Fountain pen drop. What mic drop, whatever. <laughs> but I'm not dropping mine. It's too expensive. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, come to our course and we'll tell you all about the anatomy of a fountain pen. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Mark. Uh, this was amazing. No. I'm I, I'm I'm glad we learned more about inking. I'm glad we learned more about what the course is gonna cover. So yeah. So everyone, okay. So if you want to learn more about Mark's course, you're not convinced yet, head over to etrolab.com forward slash mark dash course. That's M-A-R-K dash course, the word course, and all of the details should be there uh for you. Uh all right, that's that's all. Thank you, Mark, so much. Any last words before you wrap up? Any no, I'm just super excited. It's a lot of information packed into this course. And uh, I just think that Etcher does a great job of um, putting these things out there. So wish everybody luck and I look forward to this. Thank you. Uh, we couldn't have done it without you. So thank you so much for your hard work on this course. I know how pushy I've been with you, uh, making you <laughs> oh, redo no, things three times. And uh, so sorry about that, but it's, it's a wonderful oh, course. It, it we, we got it right. We got it right. Got yeah, it. thank you. Virtual high five. We did it. All right. Thanks, everybody. I'll see, see you. Thank you. What is stopping you from trying or getting back to ink? Feed us all your questions in the comment section associated with this post at etcherlab.com forward slash brewer2. That's the number two. So it's B-R-E-W-E-R and -E the number two. Mark and I will be waiting. Oh, also, just a final shout out to Mark's early bird registration for his inking course. Please head over to etrolab.com forward slash Mark dash course and find out more information about his new offering coming to our website on June 24th. That's it from me today. And until the next episode, keep on making more art. <laughs>